Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mason, have you ever watched a movie? Yeah. And then thought, and then thought to yourself... It's too, it's too many movies. Who's in charge of this? What's oh, happening? They should, they should reduce the number of movies. Who can we talk to? Warner Brothers, because that's what they're doing. They're just mm. cancelling things left and right. You think they're on the right track? Who the fuck knows? Right? <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Uh, Mason, we're continuing our Alan Morathon, mm. where this week we're looking at possibly but potentially not the worst adaptation of his work. I think it's the worst one I've ever seen. Yeah. But I haven't seen what we're doing next week. Really? Yeah. Me for Vendetta? Oh, I have seen that. Okay. How many of these are we doing? Four. Okay, right. I haven't seen the, <laughs> the number four. One. I haven't seen number four. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, this is Caravan Again. bloody plenty of number two, though. Not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong, everyone. <laughs> Anyways, this is Caravan of Garbage. Uh, leave a like if you could, because, yes, we are looking at the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from the year 2003, which was shortened, of course. To uh, LXG. Is this the biggest... Fraud? Fraud, yes. It is, yes. But just an absolute swipe at, like, X-Men. X-Men oh, absolutely <laughs> it is. And, you know, you know, this was obviously adapted from the comic book uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, written by Alan Moore and mm-hmm. uh, drawn, I believe, by Kevin O'Neill, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which itself started out as kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of a gag. It's, it's yeah. the Justice League, it's the Avengers, it's the X-Men, but it's a bunch of kind of uh, famous literary characters, which are all coincidentally out of copyright. Um... <laughs> Well, some and yeah, but and, and it is you know it is a superhero team of sorts. But I think the the comic book has a lot of depth, and I think in do, in making this, the 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 creators were just like, or the producers were just like, we need an X Men thing. Just yeah. just give it, put an, if we could put an X in the title as well, that would be great. Like there's there's no depth to this. There's no word that starts with X in the title either. For you will find one, or I'll find a guy who can. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing, right? What a twisted tale this weaves. And, of course, we are going to come back to what Alan Moore thinks about this adaptation. Uh, spoiler alert, he fucking hates it like he does everything. But there's also... Like, Justifiably. Yeah, completely. There's also lawsuits involved with this. And this is also a movie, and I, I know you feel the same about this. That we've seen too many times. We've seen it too many times, Mason. We've seen it more times than any human being should. <laughs> One day we're gonna we, we're gonna have to watch it again. I know I can feel it in my yeah. bones, and something's gonna tick over in our brains. Yeah, we're gonna become weird gentlemen in top hats. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna become our personality. The worst crime. Oh of them my all. god, the worst. Mm. And like you mentioned, though, I I just I love this idea. And every time I start to watch this, there's a part of me that's like. Maybe I've missed something here. Mm. Maybe this is something. And it is something because the core idea is really solid. 
Now you've read a lot of this, I've right? I've read all of it, yeah. So so this covers, I guess, some of the first volume, although not strictly, obviously. No, it's just the the gathering of the team to do mm. a mission kind of thing. Uh, whereas uh, the LXG, the LXG, exactly. Whereas in the comic books, uh, they are they are battling against racial stereotype Fu Manchu. Uh, gotcha, but, good, good. But uh, in this, they are battling against Australian racial stereotype. What's his name? Keith Urban. No. Richard Roxburgh. Richard Roxburgh. Bumper year, by the way, or just, I should say, around the 2000s. Uh, he was a big player in Hollywood in mm. terms of being a villain. He was the Duke in Moulin Rouge. Mm. He was Hugh Stamp in Mission Impossible 2. Oh, yeah. He was a big Dracula in Van Helsing. That's right. He was having an absolute... He was just tearing through Hollywood at this time, Absolutely. wasn't he? Absolutely. And if you're looking for a better thing that he was in... As, as these... these Any, anything. Anything, even if he wasn't in it. Just <laughs> pretend he was. But uh, the Australian TV series Rake. Yeah. Where he's a, he's a, he's a gad about uh, a, a low-rent lawyer. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff, mate. Mm. It really is. They they remade it in the US. Um, oh. Not good. Who was apparently. the Rake? Uh, what's his name? Um, he was uh, fucking... An actual rake? Yeah, it was an actual rake. That's good. And everybody kept stepping on him and going, oh, rake, you've swatted me in the head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was directed by Stephen Norrington. Yes. Uh, who directed Blade. Yeah. Blade 1, an absolute classic of the genre. And I just also want to point out, hasn't made a movie since. Right. And I also want to talk about why that is the case. Because I don't think this is his fault, quite frankly. Is this the only person involved in this production who never made a movie again after this? Well, I never made a live action movie after mm. this, which again we'll talk about. Uh, so the idea of the team is, uh, unlike the comics, Alan Quatermain is the lead. Here yes, whereas in the comic books, uh, it begins as, as Mina Harker being the, the one to assemble the team. Yeah, and not a Dracula, by the way. Yeah, the mostly not a Dracula. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but you don't want to you don't want to commit to that. Well, I mean, again, uh, a lot. I mean, of she's not in every panel, so maybe there's that's some true. Maybe panels. she's being some Dracula. <laughs> she's doing some Dracula stuff off panel. No, she does have the she does have the bite mark yes. on the neck, but she is not in fact a Dracula. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. But in this, clearly, they were like, okay, well, we 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 like this idea, but God, there's a lot of standing around. Mm, there was no. a lot of standing around in olden times. Can we make this less olden times? Yeah, and can we make it less standing around? Can everybody have wacky powers? I will say this though. Uh, Connery, uh, despite his advanced age in this, he can still pull off some pretty good action. He's doing like that opening brawl that he has. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty solid stuff for a man who's a thousand years old. His entirely furniture-based combat in that <laughs> opening sequence. Yeah. He won't hit a man, but he'll, he'll pick up an end table and beat him to death with it. <laughs> I feel like whoever choreographed this, and uh, here's the name. Ben and Lawrence will put it up. There you go. Did a good job of working around not only his age but also his strengths and obviously the stunt people involved with that. I think it's. I think he does a really good job of you know him being a thousand years old and pulling this off. Can we talk about that opening sequence? Yeah, let's do it. First of all, I love that he's got a guy. He's got a guy to pretend to be him. Yeah, and he absolutely knows that guy's going to get shot eventually. Well, yeah, that's why he's there, right? <laughs> sure, but then they. <laughs> That guy doesn't suspect a thing. He's like, I need a guy. And the guy's like, a guy to tell stories? And he's like, if you want. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have fun while it lasts. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also love that um, a bunch of uh, very obviously armor-plated guys come in yeah. and bullets bounce off them. And the guy who's been uh, uh, ordered to collect Ellen Quartermain's like, they're indestructible. Yeah, they're indestructible. Oh, they're wearing oven doors, man. Yeah. They're, they're back to the future toot it. This is three it. three it, yeah. And two, you see it in the clip in yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also Ned Kelly. There's a big Ned Kelly in There's this. There's a big Ned Kelly in this. They should have put Ned Kelly on the team. Right? God damn it. So the reason Sean Connery did this movie famous. Just one real guy. <laughs> 
That's right, right? Yeah. Yeah, they hunged him, but it didn't take. Didn't take. Because they left the armor and on. Somebody wrote a, he slipped out of his and armor. And somebody wrote a book about it, so it counts. Yeah, it exactly. Counts. So Sean Connery, the reason he did this, despite not understanding the script and not getting it, was because he turned down Gandalf, he turned down a role in The Matrix. Both of those because he's like, I don't get this. And then he so he figured, well, I don't get this one. Yeah. And the other ones I didn't get, and they were huge hits. So by process of... Not getting something? Not getting something, I guess. Uh, <laughs> by the transitive properties of me not getting something, <laughs> this will also be a big hit. It, it wasn't a massive flop, I don't think. It was a massive flop. Was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it didn't did okay? Well. All right. No, it didn't. But, you know, we've got the other team members. We've got Captain Nemo, and I'm like, oh, I like the design for this. I like they didn't go just with a standard white guy, and, but that's an idea, obviously, taken directly from the comics. But, you know, he's a famous actor and he's doing some whipping about, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. There's one of the Invisible Men. Correct. Not the one from the original no. uh, novel. This is An Invisible Man. It's an Invisible Man. Yeah. Uh, there's Mina Harker, of course, as we mentioned. There's Dr. Jekyll, which, by the way, a couple of things I love about that. First of all, he's, he's just a dude in prosthetics who they big up. Yeah, one. Sure, right. And I think it's pretty seamless when he's, you know, in and around scenes. Uh-huh. And also when we're introduced to him, giant top hats. Absolutely. Would have had to go to a tailor. I do have a note here that says disturbing lack of top hats on the main <laughs> cast. Yeah. In this era, those haircuts, my Ridiculous. God. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. No wonder they've become weird, you know, monstrous outsiders. They're refusing <laughs> to wear top hats. That's actually the worst thing you could do. <laughs> I you'd agree. Be like, I'm an invisible murderer and they'd be like, but you're wearing a hat, right? And you'd be like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that's fine then. Yeah, that's great. I, w- I would say that the, the, the Mr. Hyde design isn't a million years... It, it's not a million miles away from the comic book version, but the tiny little legs in the live-action version make him look pretty yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, because it's a dude. Yeah. It's the actor. What's his name? Jason Fleming. Last week. Yeah, exactly. Who's good? Um, so Dorian Gray, who's not in the comics. Who's the villain? Is it the guy who's not in the comics? Who's, who's going to betray the team? Great, great question. It's this guy, obviously. Uh, Paul Stewart Townsend, though. So he was the worst Lestat of the of the original two, obviously. In your opinion, okay. Well, look, to be fair, I haven't seen either of those movies. But he was also... Boot- oh, you're just basing that on the court of public opinion, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Wow. I shouldn't jump to conclusions, should mm-hmm. I, Mason? I should do my own research. Okay, let's brief pause while we both watch every version of yep. that thing. I didn't like any of it. Okay, right. <laughs> Uh, he was also booted from Lord of the Rings two days after filming. He was original Aragorn, and they oh, went too right. young. Get rid of him. Huh. Yeah, which is kind of insane. Because Aragorn's supposed to be like 100, right? Is that He's like 80, I think, okay, in the first right, movie. Right, right. He looks great. He probably moisturises. I don't think he'd need to. Okay. But, you know, also, like most people in this movie, massive idiot. So the way that dude goes down in the end is, if he looks at his painting, he'll disintegrate. It's mm. part of his curse and whatever. And he just looks at it. You can't close your eyes? Right. What are you doing? What are you doing? Close your eyes and kick wildly. You probably kick the painting over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And well, I mean, there is there is that aspect of, you know, and, and I guess it was intended as kind of, you know, a classic, you know, tie someone to the railroad tracks villain where they're like, you know. Oh, they should have put the painting on the front of a train and right? tied it to a <laughs> railway track. But just the idea of, well, I've gotten I've gotten away with it, so I better explain my plan. You know the bon, the Bond villain. Thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Just don't, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, there is a big moment where they explain the plan, don't they? Oh. On a gramophone. Yeah. On a big black and white gramophone or something. Well, I wanted to get to that. Speaking of technology. Oh yeah. Um, first of all, I think we should we should break top hat technology way off for the year. Obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, but I think we should break down the um the characters. And whether or not it looks like they know what an iPhone is. <laughs> okay. Connery? No. No, absolutely not. Even him in real life? No. No. Uh, Tom Sawyer? 
Absolutely. Another He's got the haircut of yeah. a man who knows at least what a razor flip phone looks like. Absolutely. He should have been in some of the Fast and Furious movies. Absolutely, I feel. yeah. Mina Harker, yes. Yep. Um, oh. Dorian Gray, 100%. I can yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Invisible Man? Maybe not. No. Yeah. Everyone else, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the technology of this this movie, yeah. again, clearly they went, okay, what a great idea. Let's set this in the Victorian era. Oh, that's going to present some problems, isn't it? How do we? How do how we? How are we going to get around? How are we going to get around? How are we going to do a car chase? Oh, we can't in, put them on penny farthings, can we? Can we do a penny farthing race? <laughs> can they be? Can they be? Can they be on some sort of steam-powered penny farthings? No, no. They're going to build a giant, uh, giant submarine underwater mm. vessel, and they're also going to build an automobile. An automobile. See, I don't have a problem with moving technology up. This is obviously mm. a fantastical era, but I do have a problem with somebody seeing a car for the first time and then going, I'm going to outrun an earthquake in this thing. <laughs> sure. That's the shit I have a problem well, with. Well, I, I guess I don't... Here's the thing. I don't have a problem with a guy very quickly figuring out how something like this would work. Because, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a young guy. He'd be TikToking, you know what I mean? He would be. But I don't like, like the idea that Captain Nemo just independently developed what looks like a 1940s roadster in the 1800s, yeah. and it's got like a manual transmission with a clutch in it. Apparently, it's not a clutch. Apparently, it's oh. two brakes. It's one for each side so of the car. Oh, I see. Apparently. A- according to whom? According to IMDb, oh, Mason. Oh, okay, IMDb trivia. Okay, great. <laughs> and some behind-the-scenes stuff. There was also a rumour that I thought this was interesting that Campion Bond was going to be in this. Right. And now Campion Bond, oh, he's in some of the comics, isn't he? That's right. He's like a, the great-grandfather of James Bond. Yes, that's right. Uh, he was also rumoured to be played by Roger Moore. But oh, that's that's only been a rumour. Never confirmed. Maybe they'll say it for the sequels have also. any of the bonds been in movies together it's a great question isn't it though let's say no yep and then as soon as we finish recording we'll think of a number of very obvious answers i agree yeah mm-hmm. but we won't put it on the screen we won't put it on the screen yeah do your own research <laughs> that's right we encourage that i also think the plot of like so m who you're like oh m like bond no m like moriarty mm. mason you didn't get that I picked I up on things. that. <laughs> I get things. God. His idea was... That being said, it is it is intended to be the precursor to like the, the 007M. Yes, yes, yes. And so, in the subsequent series, the comic book series, it is Mycroft Holmes. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So he decides to assemble a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yes. as it were, and women. Um, well, uh, interestingly, the original title, the comic book title, was going to be the League of Extraordinary Gentle Folk. Okay. Yeah. But that sounds like folk of the faraway tree. Does, does it? doesn't it? Seems yeah. a bit airy, fairy, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, you don't want none of that. Yuck. Yeah. So his plan is to recruit this team because uh, he wants to steal all their powers mm. so he could then sell them in like a in like an arms race because they're barreling towards uh, a world war, which is seemingly inevitable mm. because it actually We're barreling happens. towards World War One. he said. <laughs> what did he know? The dog that's barking. Yes. Everything. Whoa. <laughs> Ollie, Relax. Is that your wife falling down the stairs? No, no, it's the possum on the roof. Oh. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe she's on the roof. Maybe she's on the roof. Cleaning the gutters. That's right. Yeah. But if this is a man who wants to steal powers, don't assemble the team that will destroy you. What right? were you thinking? Yeah. What if one teaches another one how to shoot you in the back? Sure. What if that happens? What if that happens? Yeah. Or just, just bring him in and be like, oh, I just, um, just FYI, just before you join this team, mm. big paycheck involved, just we'll do a little physical. Yeah. And then once you've done that, you'd be like, see you later, idiots. And why get Connery? 
Yeah. What's his magical power? African back from the dead. He can't die in Africa. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He can't die in Africa? Apparently. Yeah, I guess you're right. Mm. Wow. It gets it just kind of gets worse as it goes. Sure. You know, it just kind of unravels in ways that are nonsensical. Mm. I don't think it's like a it's not a it's not a poorly made movie in terms of like visually. There's some interesting stuff going on. I like some of the designs. Yeah, I think the costumes were um of somewhat varying quality. Sure. Although I can't think of a really good one now. Top hat. The big top hat. (laughs) The big top hat. The big entirely CGI top hat? Potentially. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. And I've actually... They all feel a little bit like Spirit Halloween costumes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. What do you think about the Mr. Hyde transformation, which is just a series of flashes and... um, and different kind of... Kind of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed the retro vibe to that. It, d- it is a bit like that, isn't mm, it? Yeah. yeah. I still think there's a couple of good moments, though. That, that Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Work in this, Go on. right? I've got two things here. One is the Invisible Man effect. You know when you seem like putting the face paint yes. on? I really like that. And there's a moment where when they're first getting shot at and Tom Sawyer's there and he's like, wink, I'm here too. Oh, yeah. And then the Invisible Man, you see him kind of book it to get away and he whips off his coat and he like splashes the, like, the drink in his face yeah, to wash right, it right. off. Love that. That's a bit of fun. Really good it? stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the other one is you see Connery line up the villain M 
and you watch him like track him through a bookshelf and shoot him as he's past it and pings him in the head. Nice. Did I just love that idea that he's just like he's, he's that good a shot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Really good. I and mean, the the one the one thing you know, I, I actually yeah, I was gonna say I really did enjoy the uh, the Invisible Man effect, but I mean, you know, in universe, uh, if you wanted to track him. Mm. You just listen for the sound of his, his his dick flapping against his thighs. Obviously, maybe he's not that you know huh. well he's proportioned. Looked, he's got the confidence of a man who is though. So. Yeah, but he would because nobody could see. Oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> it's just every time you see him open up the trench coat and, the, and he's invisible, I'm like, all right, stop it, stop it, mate. Come on. <laughs> I know it's probably not technically a crime in that era, but it should be. There's a reason it's a crime now, all right? You're right, you're right. Well, this movie should have been ahead of its time in that sense, mm. shouldn't it? I oh, should have been. He should have been arrested at the end <laughs> yeah. for public nudity. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, is there anything you want to add before I do some green trivia? Uh, I love their trip to dreary Venice. That was nice. Oh, love, love to see it. So, just a, so just, grey. Just grey and miserable uh, Venice. Yeah. Um, Mike, I have a question here. We've got to outrun the explosion to get ahead of the explosion to set off the next explosion to stop mm-hmm. the explosion. But if you set off the next explosion, what, won't that just trigger just the, the next rest explosion? explosions? No, you do it in a different direction. Oh, yeah. The other direction. I didn't think about uh, I had a question about how the Nautilus tracks its little shuttle thing. Is this on that big like globe, that yeah. spinning globe? and I thought maybe it's um, an enormous length of fishing wire, perhaps. <laughs> just... <laughs> Yeah, trailing be. the entire ocean. Okay, yeah, 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 potentially. Um, there seem to be multiple attempts in this movie to set up various love triangles. There's one between Dorian Gray and yep. Rena Harker and Tom Sawyer. Yep, and, but... And also... Mr. Hyde. Also Mr. Hyde, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was also an Remember attempt... Remember when he's obviously standing there? Yeah. And not, like, hiding, Mr. Hyde, oh. hiding, but just, like, hello. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the part where um, Dorian Gray just explains what his greatest weakness is. Yeah. Hey, does anyone want to hear my weakness? Yeah. If I look at that pony, I'll die. <laughs> Uh, they also attempt to set up uh, Tom Sawyer as the son Quartermain lost like uh, he's oh, trying yeah, to make good. up for lost there's yeah. no time for that that's no, good there was no time there was too many buildings exploding no, I agree mm. also uh, Tom Sawyer like a blatant attempt to you know, Americanize Americanize yeah. this, this whole situation he's not in the comic he's not in the comic no yeah. that's true no I've just written big time Ned Kelly vibes absolutely so you know, important is that the name of your Australian hip hop album <laughs> that's exactly you're right yes it's called Skip Hop everyone oh no <laughs> Don't tell the world about it. <laughs> oh, uh, but and also, um, uh, here's a little uh, here's a little uh, Easter egg for regular listeners of our podcast, The Weekly Planet. Is this Blue Harvest? No, this is um, this is Sean Connery saying the game is on. Oh my god! Maybe that's where we got it. Maybe. Yeah. This movie incepted us. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Anyway, I've got one piece of green trivia because I've got more interesting things to talk about. I'm very excited. Here's the Rodney supercut. Rodney. <laughs> This this is something I saw on IMDb and I don't get it. So can you help me with this? Sure. Because it's just a random thing somebody put in. Okay. Peter Wilson's motivation for a character was... Australia's own Peter Wilson. Thank you. La Femme Nikita's own. That's right. Peter Wilson's motivation for her character was that of a flat, hollow, unleavened bread that could be split open to hold a filling. I don't don't know. Kebab meat? Is this like a... Kebab meat. Is this a sex metaphor? I think so. I hate this anyway. Mm. I don't like this. And I wish I didn't read it out. Is it a quote from her? I don't think so. I couldn't, I mean, I've seen this several times and I don't get it at all. Okay, right. Anyway, hate it. Uh, Anyway, this is... Sorry, I couldn't help you there. (laughs) But that's an insane sentence. Someone will figure it out. Sure. Anyways, uh, everyone quit forever, as mentioned. So Stephen Norrington, as mentioned, hasn't directed a movie since and Sean Connery retired. This is of Connery... Oh, there's some back and forth here. So settle in, Mason. And this is before we get to... The lawsuit, which is a whole separate other Mm -hmm. thing. 
Connery said, It was a nightmare. The experience had a great influence on me. It made me think about showbiz. I got fed up dealing with idiots. Now, Norrington also said that he didn't like the studio supervising and the large crew. And Connery and Norrington disagreed over almost everything, with Norrington constantly changing setups, apparently, during the shoot, much to Connery's annoyance. Now, according to anonymous sources... Connery seems like a one-take guy. Well, yeah. I've got something about that. According to anonymous sources on set... There were frequent shouting matches, and in one infamous incident, Norrington challenged Connery to hit him in the face, (laughs) to which Connery responded by walking off the set. Norrington did not attend the opening party, and when Connery was asked where Stephen could be, he is said to have replied, Chuck me arse. Is that what he said? He said, chuck him in the local asylum. Whoa. Uh, Anyway, Jason... See, the thing there is he missed a chance to say arse. He could have said, chuck "Chuck him in my arse. Chuck him in my arse, for example, yes. So Jason Fleming mm-hmm. was asked uh, in an interview if he the, was arsh. He was arsh if this if the stories were true, and he said, "No, he, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's <laughs> fictional. It's based on the comic book by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill." Is what he said. Yeah, yeah. But then they said, "It's absurd." Are you kidding me? An automobile in yeah. that era? No, 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 no. And then upon clarification, they were talking about the rivalry. Oh, I see. Right, right. Norrington and and Connery, and he said, "Yes, this is his story firsthand." Second-hander, because it's then through me. Mm. My favourite bust-up was in Venice. The league had to walk from... Oh, my God, they actually went to Venice? I guess so. Does he mean the green screen representing (laughs) Venice? (laughs) Maybe. The league had to walk from Captain Nemo's boat down the street. Magnificent Seven style. At the end of the take, Sean Connery shouted to Norrington, What? You want... I'm not doing the accent. Okay. What? You want us to do that again? And Norrington replied, For 18 million, I don't think it's too much to ask that you walk down a road. He got 18 million dollars. Yeah. To which Connery's reply was, Unprintable. Uh oh. Something about up his ass or whatever. Probably that thing that I said, yes. Anyway, as of 2018, uh, Stephen Dorff, his. Uh, obviously one of the leads. His collaborator in Blade. Blade, That's right. Said Norrington was making a film with miniatures at his own house and Dorf thought it would take him another decade to complete. So Norrington, who is, I don't think, a bad director. I agree. What are you up to, Norrington? Right? Show us what you're doing. What are you doing? Stan Winston released that movie recently. Exactly. Mad God, that weird wet puppet extravaganza. Is that Stan Winston? Because he died. Oh, now I'm thinking of... Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett. Should I do that whole thing again? Sure. But we'll leave this in for the bonus. I love it. That's great. go. Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, Phil Tippett, big-time special effects guy, mm. made his own uh, a movie in his basement, I guess, Mad God. which Yeah, is that, for, for decades, well, right? Yeah, that weird wet puppet extravaganza. <laughs> so maybe Norrington's... And people seem to like that, so maybe Norrington's onto something here. Absolutely. Maybe that's the future, not dealing with actors. Yeah, the dream. Yeah. They call that wet the, or otherwise. Yeah, they call it the George Lucas. Anyways, big court case. Oh. This is via comic book movie. So, and this is also ties into what Alan Moore thought of this, right? Oh, yes. So, Alan Moore was sued as part of a suit against 20th Century Fox for plagiarism of the screenplay cast of characters from the early 90s, which bore a heavy resemblance to the movie version of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, also known as Alex G, right? Mm. This is Alan Moore's quote. They seem to believe that the head of 20th Century Fox called me up and persuaded me to steal this screenplay, turn it into a comic book, which they could then adapt back into a movie to camouflage petty larceny. This led to Moore giving a 10-hour deposition. He believes... (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Moore, can you please briefly summarise this? No, I'm going to do this for 10 hours. (laughs) He believes 
he'd have suffered less if he'd sodomized and murdered a busload of children after giving them heroin. My goodness. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is, I believe part of the lawsuit included the idea that Dorian Gray was in the was in the movie and the pre-existing script, but he's not like we said, he's not in the original comic books. Exactly. So Alan Moore As if Alan Moore would be some Hollywood guys would come up to him and be like, "Can you can you can you do can you make something as a as a smoke screen yeah. for this for this weird fraud we're going to do?" <laughs> Ridiculous. Can you make that for literally years? Could you do that and just continue making it (laughs) for years as a smokescreen? Ridiculous. Alan Moore said, though, that, yeah, there were some similarities in the movie version, but not what he wrote. Mm. And so he said that, yeah, the case could have merit because, you know, Alan Quartermain was the lead, the appearance of Tom Sawyer and Dorian Gray and all of that. And the villain was going to be Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, that was part of it. And he also said by 20th Century Fox settling the case, Moore felt that this was almost an admission of guilt. Uh Uh-oh. So it seems like that it's very possible, uh, because it was settled out of court, that they did maybe take some things from the script to put into the movie version. Mm. Anyways, this cost $78 million because they had to go to Venice, maybe. And it made... (laughs) They had to trick the cast into thinking they were in Venice. (laughs) They had to build build a fake plane and put them all in it and they had to keep changing the backgrounds. (laughs) So it made $179.3 million. So it made a little bit more than its budget, I should specify, but not enough for the planned sequel which was cancelled due to the negative reception and poor box office of this. Now, the idea for the sequel was that it would be the second series of the comic book. War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, exactly. They would have adapted that. Now, I believe also in the much more modern-day issues sure. where Alan Moore's pop culture references also wear thin. They do a little bit. They, There's a reference to drum and bass in like the... <laughs> The 2000s issue. Love that, big fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they meet the real James Bond, right? And he's like a horrible drunk and like a. They do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting about the the subsequent stuff, because there was a. There was a. There were further uh, volumes of this uh, original storyline, and then there was a, a series called The Black Dossier, and then there was a series called Century, which sort of. Charted the adventures that charted the adventures of the remaining teams over the course of the century, ending up in the two thousands. And what's interesting about that is that I'm sure it would have been harder to to write and manage because at that point a lot of the characters were not public domain exactly, anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's a there's a Mary Poppins analog in there. There's right. a there's a Harry Potter yeah. kind of character. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's well worth a read though. Okay, I think. it gets pretty it gets pretty deep. Sure, I'll, I'll tell you that. It, like, unlike some of this early stuff, uh, I think if you don't have perhaps an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, very specific s- pop culture, yes, I think you might be a little bit lost. But it's fun. It's it's you know it's fun to look it up. I think, and you can always look it up. That's right. Which is a thing we both agree on. Absolutely. So you like reboots, don't you? No. Um, do you like how? No. A series or a movie? Because they've talked about doing one or the other. I don't like any of these It looks like the movie at this point is the one that's moving forward. Uh But this is what Alan Moore said about the series reboot from a few years back. Because, you know, I love all these quotes. They're Mm -hmm, always great. He's the, um, of his time, what's the guy? He's always doing quotes. He's dead, the guy. He was in Transformers. He was Unicron in Transformers. <laughs> Orson, Orson Welles. Wells. He's the Orson Welles. Why in- would I pick Orson Welles? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> My brain kept going, say Stephen Dorff. And I'm like, no, shut yeah. up. He's not <laughs> talking about Stephen Dorff. Alan Moore, I believe, is the Orson Welles of his time. And then he just gives great quote. He's super talented and he gives great quote. Agreed. He loves the medium he's in. Yep. Or he, you know, he loved it. And then just forces crushed him with, with yeah. nonsense. And he's just like, well, I hate this, but you're getting good quote. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he said, the announcement that there is a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen television series hasn't caused me to drastically alter my opinions. Now it seems they are recycling things that have already proven not to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. There's something here, though, obviously, right? You could make this something. You could make, you, you could make I it. I mean, he won't like yeah, it, yeah. but you could but do I it. But I think it's also similar to what happened last week when we talked about From Hell. I think so much of the appeal of the comic book is that it's Alan Moore's writing, but it's also the great art. And and I think last, yep. I think uh, From Hell would have worked better as kind of like some sort of Sin City, like woodcut, yeah. you know, animation style. And I think so much of this would have worked better if it, it genuinely did look more like really that era, era and yeah. that sepia toned and everybody was just dirty and gross Top as hats. opposed to, yeah, yeah, as opposed to surfer dude haircuts and, <laughs> you know, et yeah. cetera. And lack of top hats. Mm. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. James, ask me if you think I like uh, Dorian Gray's suit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you like it? No. What's wrong with it? It's 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 a matching two piece in that era. Are you kidding me? He'd be wearing a compose. Am I kidding you? He, he was he was a man of means, and that era he'd be wearing a compose, which is which is all three: the vest, the coat, and the trousers would all be different materials to show off how many suits he could afford. Oh, wait. So if you'd wear you'd wear a different combination of things. Correct. That seems wrong, though. Well, it's right. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> Anyways, do you want a hint towards next week, Mason? Yes. Knowing full well that it's V for Vendetta? Yes, give me a hint. Here it is. Okay. What is it? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> well, look, if you do want to see that early, whatever it is, you could actually head over to bigsandwich.co where they always go up early. But that's not the only thing you'd be finding there. It's like our private Patreon where you can also find exclusive movie commentaries and podcasts and a bunch of other bits and pieces that I we do there. I love little bits and pieces. Huge back catalogue of stuff that we don't release in uh, at the main feed, for example, for example, Mason, of our podcast, The Weekly Planet, where that's we talk right. movies and comics and TV shows that comes out every flippin' Monday. If you don't mind me using the appropriate language of the era, this movie absolutely. That's uh, that's the whole thing. Yep. You know what? Um, I, I liked how the 20th Century Fox logo turned into a little bit of the background. We don't see that enough these days. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Who do you credit for that? You know, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And credit to Ben and Lawrence for that's the edit. That's right. Thanks, everybody. Grab that, Jimmy. Guys, we'll see you next week. Never again, Mason. We will. We'll never again will we discuss this movie. God, I hope not. God, what if this didn't record? I would kill myself and you too. Oh, no, no. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.